This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. extremely important to release our loved ones and pets from the emotion of grief so that they can safely make it to the other side and move on to the next expression of their soul. Valeria Tejas interviews Joy Andresen, the author of Whispers from Another Room, A Mystic's Journey into the World of Spirit. Joy Andresen is a psychic medium, shamanic Reiki energy healer, spiritual consultant, and teacher, and published author of three books. She has been a spiritual junkie her whole life and sensed spirit at a very young age. However, due to her belief system, she did not begin to acknowledge or use her gift until adulthood. In her early 30s, she began to use her gift within the umbrella of Christianity, but over time began to explore other belief systems and realized an innate knack for healing through non-traditional methods. Her clients report renewed hope, a greater sense of well-being, and often are able to move forward from limiting beliefs and behaviors after their sessions. She also has been able to assist clients in moving forward past grief and navigate difficult decisions after conversing with their deceased loved ones or spiritual guides. She hosts a monthly Zoom where she and the participants meditate as a group and send healing energy out into the world allowing the guides to share and direct the agenda. She sees clients by phone, Zoom, and in person in Winchester, Virginia, where she resides with her husband and kitty. Meet Joy at whispersofjoy.net. Here is the interview with Joy Andresen. In your own words, who is Joy Andreessen? Ah, that's a good question. So Joy Andreessen, I am just a spiritual being who lives in a physical body, doing my best to do good in the world. I love that. That's the simplest way to say it. (laughs) How did you come to that understanding, Joy? You know, even when I was a small child, I remember I was very bashful and and I never talked really. But I had this understanding that the real me was inside, Mm -hmm. looking through my eyes. So I was constantly aware that my being, my consciousness was inside my body, that my body wasn't who I was, and that I was looking out from my eyes. So I always had that understanding. Did you have any spiritual awakenings, as some people call it? They call them awakenings. Well. Yes, very much so. I was born into a Pentecostal family. My dad was a minister. 
and my all my uncles were ministers and my cousins, some of them are still ministers. And so we were a very spiritual family. Within the Pentecostal religion, though, I embraced it my whole life. And then when I was 35, though, I think is when I really had my spiritual awakening. And that is when my belief system started not to work Mm, for me. I really had to go within myself and do a lot of soul seeking. And I did a lot of investigating and saw, you know, what does everybody else believe? Because it was frustrating to me that some of the things that I'd always believed, they just didn't start to make sense. And I was getting messages from the spirit world and the messages didn't match the belief system. So I really, uh, yeah, it was what I, I always called it a dark night of the soul, but it was really an awakening. Do you think we can come to these um, understandings or deepen them without those experiences, which we call it suffering, um, hardships? I'm not sure that you can, because Mm -hmm. if everything is going fine, you know, you don't really look for anything else. That's true. (laughs) That comfort zone. Yeah, we stayed there. Yeah. So true. And a lot of people do their whole life. They're comfortable in their belief system, the one that they were born into, mm-hmm. and it works for them. And I think, you know, not everybody has a spiritual awakening because whatever they're doing is working for them. And to them, I say, well, that's fine. You should, if it's working, why fix it? That's true. Yeah. They don't question. But then again, we're all unique too. We are on this uh, unique yes. journey. So in different yes. levels, right? Right. Very much so. Yes. I agree. And spirituality, do you see a difference between being spiritual and being religious? Yes, yes. I think religion is something outside of ourselves. Right. Spirituality is something that is within us, within our soul, within our heart. Our understanding of spirituality is something that it's almost hard to put into words, whereas yeah. religion is easily defined. Mm. depending on I love that. depending on what your belief system is you know you could yeah. say I'm a Catholic or I'm a Baptist or I'm you know whatever but that's something outside of yourself yeah I never heard it that way so spirituality is actually not easy to define it is not being religious it's easier because they have a set of rules and belief system yeah they have labels labels right you know right. you can say i am this or i am that when you're spiritual you can say i'm spiritual but that is means something different for everyone and healing that's another question that i often ask not to everyone some of my guests so ask you what is mm-hmm. healing to you and what are some of the misconceptions about healing yeah so what I do is healing of the soul. Yeah. So I think the basic misconception is everybody has their own idea of what the soul is. Yeah, true. And so, you know, I mean, yeah. if you ask 10 different people, what is your soul? You probably would get 10 different answers. That's true. So to me, the soul is everything that makes up who I am. It's mm-hmm. my awareness. It's my memory. It's my emotions. It's my consciousness. It's my it's every part of me. And in shamanism, we believe that we have three souls or we have three aspects to our soul. So we have the part that is new that we get when we're born in this lifetime. Then a third of another third would be the part that comes from a previous life or many previous lifetimes, the memories, the cell memories, even though we don't remember in this life, all those things our cells remember and our soul remembers. And then we have the part that we inherit from our ancestors. 
So when we come into our lifetime, a lot of times our problems are not even related to something that even happened in this lifetime. Right. So when we come across a point in time in our life and we find that we're not happy or we're having problems, say addiction problems or relationship problems or career problems, and we can't really pinpoint what the problem is, and maybe it's even a physical illness yeah. that's, that's come upon us. It's important to realize that everything has a source, mm. and if we're having a problem, that it's important to get to where it started. And it may or may not have started in this lifetime. And so what I do is when I see clients, I go into their energy field and I get into an altered state of consciousness and go into their soul and retrieve some of those memories and some of those patterns. And with the help of my guides and my, um, I call them my spirit helpers, yeah, yeah. then, then <laughs> I get information. <laughs> and sometimes it resonates with people, sometimes it doesn't, but the basic um, outcome is, is the important part. Do you feel better when you're done? Right. And sometimes people will walk away. I've had people um, call me back you know, a month later and say, I've lost 20 pounds or mm. um, all of a sudden I'm happy. I had one client say, I just can't stop smiling. Yeah. And so yeah. that's how you know that it worked. <laughs> and true. they might feel more empowered. They might be able to release some emotions that they weren't able to release, or they might, um, we might come across a limiting belief that they had and we're able to release that. And so then there's the concept, which goes a little bit deeper of when we experience a very deep emotion, sometimes that emotion, when we experience it or when we express that emotion, a piece of our soul gets stuck with that emotion which then leaves our body and gets stuck in the event that created the emotion. So sometimes they get stuck in a house or, you know, where the event occurred that created the emotion. Sometimes we give it to people. Mm. You know, if we, when we get married, we make vows right. and we give a piece of ourselves to another person, right. which is fine as long as we're getting along. But what happens if the relationship doesn't work out? Mm, true. Oh, God. <laughs> or, yeah. or or even if if one person doesn't feel the same as the other person. Yeah. And so we've given a piece of our soul to somebody who may or may not want it. And and we don't know that it's missing. And so the only way that we can find out is if we go into this kind of trance state and we go in and do some exploring and find out what's going on. And we're able to then get that piece of the soul back and bring it back and put it back in the body and reunite it with the with the, the larger piece of your soul that is in your body. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously if you can't lose it all or you'd be dead. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me, Joy. I never heard about this soul retrieving method, yeah. which is known actually. It's it is. It's very well known. Um not very well known. In the practice of shamanism it's well known. Right. Which shamanism is a belief system that many indigenous cultures um, follow. And usually a medicine man or a shaman is the one who goes into the altered state of consciousness and they call it a journey. And they journey into the soul and they find what's missing and then they go retrieve it and bring it back. So in my practice, because I've 
I've got a knack for shamanism and yeah. I've studied it with teachers, but I I had an awakening with that too, where I was just introduced to shamanism and it seemed like I already knew what to do. Mm, right. And I just realized, oh, I know, I know, I already know how to do this. And um, then I incorporated that with other healing modalities like Reiki and, um, you know, some other healing modalities that I had learned. Yeah. And so what I did was I combined the different healing modalities in my practice and also my ability to just tune in and get guidance from my guides. And they just talk to me and tell me what to do. How wonderful. I love the way you talk in a book that you trust your guides. It's yes. all about trust. Right. It's all about trust. Yes. And I agree. So how do you explain that knowing already what to do, like in the shamanic experience, that means that you were a shaman in a different lifetime? Yeah, I believe so. I'm, I must have been. I actually remember, I, I wouldn't say I remember with my conscious memory, yeah, but yeah. a couple of times I've been in deep meditation. Once I did a deep meditation and I remembered or I experienced myself as a Native American and I was, mm. you know, those places in, you know, you've seen them on TV where they, when they put the dead on those high, those, they build these really high things and then they put the dead bodies up there and then they set them on fire. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I had a memory of that during uh -huh. a meditation and right. I was sitting on top, obviously my mm -hmm. body was dead, but my awareness was still there and I'm sitting Wow. And I'm looking at the people down below, and I had this sense of love for them. And at some point uh, in the meditation, in the vision, I turned into a white bird and I flew away. Mm. And so it was almost like a memory of, of a very happy time where I was taken to the time right after I died in that lifetime. How fascinating that we can remember these things too, right, Joy? It's amazing to yes, me. Yes, it was a complete shock to me because I was in a, a group. We were doing a group meditation and they happened to be using uh, Native American music. And I was taken there immediately through the meditation to that kind of music. Going back to the retrieving the soul pieces, mm -hmm. that makes sense to me because also I have experienced in dreams Every time I don't feel right, the emotions, the stress or something in the body, and then the, the subconscious goes back to where I used to live in the house in Brazil, where I grew up, and that's not pleasant, but it always goes back to that environment. Oh, you see, might have a piece of your soul in that location. Always goes back to that town, sometimes in a house or specific parts of the town. So yes. That's interesting. That makes sense. So, and I don't have to go back to Brazil to retrieve my soul piece. I can, yeah, from here, I can do yeah, that. Yeah, you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a lot more interested in hypnotherapy in all these modalities these days because I've been talking to so many people and yeah. that has opened up. I'm more open now. I'm still kind of hesitant and not afraid. Sure. So I'm wondering why we hesitate sometimes. Is that fear? Really? Oh. Well, I think it's because we are not in control. Mm, right, right. Because when we, we it's, it's really important to surrender our control in order to go into these places. And so much of our life is spent trying to be in control. Try to know everything. This realm of knowing, right, of knowing. Sure, so, because we're yeah. afraid of what we don't know. Right, yes. And if we don't know it, then we can't control it. Oh, God, Joy, I have to get out of that. <laughs> 
of the mind. Yeah, I'm dwelling yeah. a lot in that knowing, uh, the no mind. Yeah. That's so much. I have a, a blog that I released yesterday called The Need to Know. Yeah. And it's all about how we think we have to know everything and we really don't. Because it can be felt, like you said, some of your clients, they don't have to intellectualize, tell stories or anything, but they know that their lives is improving somehow. They feel better and yes. they can see yeah. that. We don't need to intellectually understand. Right. And most of the time, though, when a person comes for a session, they'll be able to recognize there's some sort of evidence that they can um, acknowledge and agree with. So it it feels right or there's something that I am able to communicate to them that resonates with them. The component of trust is very important too, isn't it? Are we trusting ourselves or is that important to trust you? It's more like a self-trust or the guide's trust that we need. So I think it's both. Mm -hmm. We have to trust right. ourselves, but we have to trust that that I know what I'm doing. And, and, right. and I believe because of the way that I use, that I do it, my method, yeah. um, it really allows people to be able to trust the process. Yeah, because they can feel it. You're using the energy of love for healing. Which, yes. Who wouldn't trust that? <laughs> well, a lot of people wouldn't because they're, a lot of people are so wrapped up in fear Right. And right. Um, so it's it's difficult to let go of the need to control because when they are controlling something, then they feel like they are protecting themselves. Mm. So a lot of it has yeah. to do with a feeling of not being safe. Yes. Yeah. And and when yeah. they can let go of that and know that they're safe and that and that they can trust the process, then it's easier for them to open up and allow themselves to heal. And we are all very much unique, so it depends where we are at. And um, yeah, some of us won't be able to do this in this lifetime. But yeah. Right. Everybody's on their own path. Right. But that's interesting too, Joy, because we don't, if we don't heal now in this lifetime, then we're going to bring all this to the next one, right? Well, exactly. And sometimes it's not even us. Sometimes oh. if we have an ancestor that didn't heal something, right. then they pass that along just the way you get your your hair color and your eye color, sometimes you get a problem that an ancestor had that's not even really yours. So oh, you made me I mean, breathe you can deeper. look into family lines and say, well, you know, this person was an alcoholic and then his son was and then his grandson, you know, it passes down sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and not only that, but the tendency, say, for example, just the tendency to be angry. Yeah. Well, the anger started somewhere from some place and it could have started in a relative that then passed it along because they didn't fix it. So anything we don't find closure to or resolve in our lifetime, then we run the danger of passing it along to our children. You made me think even deeper now into uh, becoming more courageous in that sense and doing more hypnotherapy work, energy work, and be yes. more open yeah, to healing other levels. I feel like I have done the work because I have done a lot of work already. And I feel much lighter and joyful most of the time. It's beautiful. But then sometimes I do have nightmares in some situations that come up. I'm like, oh, what is this coming from? Well, you know, sometimes if you think about it, our, we're constantly 
especially in modern days, our senses are constantly in overload, you know, especially if we Mm. watch TV or, you know, there's all this stuff going on in the airwaves and the world. There's so much unrest. Sometimes our dreams are kind of our computer self rebooting Mm. itself Mm. and getting rid of all the junk. Oh, wow. Really? So, yeah. So sometimes those really awful dreams, the only thing it's doing is ridding all of the toxins out of our psyche. So that's good news in my case. (laughs) Now, it's not always that way. You know, if you have recurring nightmares or, you know, then that's probably an issue. But if you just have one every now and then, then it's probably just, you know, your your body and your consciousness getting rid of the, the toxic overload from just living in the earth realm. Right. So it's almost like a release. Yeah, just releasing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it is. It's not a recurring. I used to have recurring nightmares, but then I faced it. The day that I faced that one, then it stopped. Um, yes, everything. exactly. Yeah. Our dreams are our guideposts to tell us what we need to work on. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes they're even they even give us clues as to where our soul might be lost. If we've lost a piece of our soul, like say, for example... We had somebody that we were in love with when we were 18, and here we are 50, and we're still dreaming about that person. Right. It's probably that we gave a piece of our soul to that person and never got it back. Oh. So sometimes it's a guidepost to yeah. say, hey, this is something that you need to um, address. Yeah, thank you, Joy. It has been already um, an enlightening conversation. <laughs> I've been learning uh, from you at a deeper level. It's so nice to talk to you. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is as a whole? Are we trying to get to a destination? And if there is one, what would that be? I'm a little bit torn about it. I think, you know, I've heard a, lo- a lot of teachers say that we're here to learn lessons. And then I've heard other ones say, no, we're not here to learn lessons. We're here to just experience um, being human. And I think it's both. Mm, I think it's both. I think that it's our soul longs for the physical body experience because when we're not in our bodies, our consciousness lives on in another form. And we carry with us all of the things that we learn and experience in all our different lifetimes. And so there's something within us that just wants to experience physicality. And yet while we're here, yeah, we're constantly learning and growing and evolving and, and becoming a more evolved soul. So I think it, it, in the process of evolving our soul, yes, we are learning lessons but it's not the only reason we're here. I think we're also here just to experience life and to experience physicality. Yeah, I do think about joy a lot. This idea exactly. of yeah, letting joy arise because it arises from that place, that space of just being, surrender, just uh, flowing with life. And then we have all these gifts <laughs> that come yes. to us. I love your name too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Of course. Yeah, that's uh, close to my yeah, heart. Oh, yes. I totally agree that joy is the purpose of life. But yeah. um, there's so many people, we can't say that everybody ever experiences it. Wow. You know, yeah. some people go through their life. And I remember once going, there was a, this lost community in the woods and I was walking and I, I came upon it. And it was a encampment that was over 100, maybe 200 years old. And I connected with a small child that was kind of the energy was there in the in the woods. And I asked her if she ever experienced joy and she didn't know what it was. 
So I think so many times we come into humanity and depending on the circumstances that we come into, we don't understand even the concept of joy. Yeah, that is. And so, you know, I think joy is one of the highest vibrations possible, but I don't think a lot of people ever, ever experience it. Yeah, that's kind of sad to hear. But we have to, yeah. we have to understand that we're all multidimensional beings, mm-hmm. right. and we're right. we're here, to, and we're going to live our life many, many, many lifetimes. Right. And we're all learning and growing and achieving more and more. And I think as we move on, you know, we may not experience it in this lifetime, but our soul is eternal, and eventually we will. So you wrote the book, Whispers from Another Room, A Mystic's Journey into the World of Spirit. Yes. I do have another question for you. I have to remember that between soul and spirit. In the book, you mentioned uh, the subtitle, the word spirit. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference, Joy, between a soul and a spirit? I would think that just like I said, the word soul means different things to different people. Yeah, I think it's the same with spirit. The reason I use the word spirit is just so people would understand that word, because I think people understand that as the the essence of divinity. So anything that is benevolent and maybe maybe may or may not be benevolent, but that which doesn't have a body. So the consciousness that is all around us and above us and beneath us and um, all around us, but doesn't necessarily have a physical body. Yeah. So the, you know, I heard a shaman once. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a shaman say spirit is everything that happens when your eyes are closed. And yeah, talk to me for a moment about the inspiration and also the intention of writing your book. Yeah, so I've been doing this quite a while. And so sometimes I just have people asking questions. You know, what all do you do? What does this mean? What does that mean? And so this book was meant to be an answer to all the questions that I've gotten over the years. Mm -hmm. And so I took each chapter and took on a different subject of different questions that people have asked me. And I explained soul healings and I explained talking to the dead. And I explained ghosts and hauntings. And I explained uh, children and their communication with the dead. So I took a different subject and I covered it in a separate chapter. So each chapter covers a different subject. And the reason that I did it was because that way, you know, people ask me questions and I'm like, oh, yeah, I covered that in the book. So I thought if I personally here in my little corner of the world am finding that a lot of people are asking me these questions, then maybe a larger audience has the same questions. We have been already talking a lot about the soul retrieving Mm -hmm. or pieces of the soul being retrieved. And that's what you do. Basically, you specialize in soul retrieval or you also cover other forms and methods of healing, Joy? Yes, yes. So um, I've got a lot of different, I call it my cosmic soup, really, because yeah. I've learned so many different <laughs> techniques. Right. And so um, sometimes when, and it's always unique to the customer or the yeah. client, I right. should say, whoever yeah. comes to me and if they have a specific concern, then we'll definitely focus on whatever their concern is. But if they just are feeling off or they think I just need a healing, but I don't know why, then we, I just go into their energy field and I just allow 
the, the guides to take over and the communication to come through. And we focus on whatever comes up. I might use Reiki. I might use the soul retrieval. I might use any number of other techniques. And uh, sometimes their people on the other side will come through. So I'll communicate messages from their loved ones or even their pets. And so every experience for each person who comes is unique. I hope that answers your question. About soul retrieval, do you do that long distance as well or only in person? I do, um, especially since uh, the pandemic. I A lot of my clients now I'm doing over Zoom or over the phone, and it works just as well. Something that you say under the uh, chapter eight, mm-hmm. soul healings, you say yeah. something that caught my attention about uh, grief. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, you said it is extremely important to release our loved ones and pets from the emotion of grief so that they can safely make it to the other side and move on to the next expression of their soul. That is something that I never, I thought about it, but I I didn't know that, I mean, it was not confirmed. So you confirmed that. You know, I kind of came upon that concept by accident because it was happening so much. Uh, The first time it happened, I was working full-time at the post office and one of my coworkers has had lost her dog. And so she was constantly coming and asking me to tune in and see if I could find her dog. And I had unfortunately told her that I didn't think the dog was alive. Right. And mm. at some point, you know, it, this went on for a while. And then one day she came up to me and she's just crying. And I felt the dog come to me and say, please tell her she needs to let me go. I'm stuck. Uh, I can't move on because of her grief. And so what happens is when we experience any strong emotion, grief being one of them, and we can't let somebody go, it's almost like a cord of energy, but from us to them, that is holding them in this realm so that they're not free to completely get to the other side because we're holding them back with our grief. And I'm not saying that, we can't grieve because we can. Yeah, um, right. We have to grieve right. and grieving takes as long as it takes. However, at some point, it's a gift that we give to our loved ones to allow them to move on and allow ourselves to move on. And, and so I did in my book, I did include a blessing to the dead that is a way of doing that. Wow. Where we're releasing them to the next expression of their soul. Oh, I love that message too. It's such an important one. So it's a mutual gift. Yes, it is. They they are giving us our life and we're giving them the ne- next expression of their soul. We're almost at the end and I have so many other notes here, <laughs> way too many. I love the way you say here at the end of that chapter, remember that piece of your soul has been absent from your body for a period of time, there is a natural adjustment period. It helps to communicate with that soul piece and express your love and appreciation with it for coming back to you. Yes. So in a way, we are only we can only really express this wholeness when we have all the pieces of our soul together. And that's interesting because I used to, well, I still think that way in a way, that we are already whole. There's no fragmentation, 
that is just the illusion, that the dream, that I have pieces of me elsewhere. But it's interesting because life itself is a dream. I see it as a dream. And yeah. in a way, it is real. The dream is real. So it is fragmented. Well, have you ever had a dream and when you came, <laughs> when you woke up, you couldn't figure out which place was real? Am oh, I yes. awake? Is this real or was the dream real? <laughs> So I think yeah. there's so many different dimensions, yeah. and even science is now saying there there's at least 12 dimensions, and there are alternate realities going on simultaneously in many different dimensions. And so which one is real, hmm. and how can we know which one is real? But because our conscious awareness isn't this one, we have to, um, even if it isn't exactly real, or even if it's an illusion, we have to behave as if it is real, because that's why we're here. I'll behave as if it is real. It's an agreement, right, Joy? Yeah, yeah it is. It's only by being in this physical body that we can experience what it is we came here to, to do, because we chose as a soul to come into this earth realm and live in this physical body. And so it's really important that we we be here. And so many times our souls escape because we don't want to be here. And um, would you say that when we reach that level, per se, of wholeness, then what happens next? Would that be freedom, liberation? You know, there's a lot of fields of thought yeah. about that. Right. Um, in my understanding, obviously, I won't know, I guess, until after I die, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I just think that it's an adventure. And once mm -hmm. we get to the end of this adventure, who's to say there isn't another one? Mm -hmm. And, yes. you know, a lot of, a lot of um, people who probably are more aware than I am say that we kind of merge back into the divine. Mm -hmm. But who's to say at some point we don't separate again and, and do it all over again? And who is to say that the divine is not everything, the whole exactly. and the separation, both? <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for your clarity and your beautiful awareness of these things, of these deep layers of life. Yeah. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life in a human body? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Thinking back on my life, I seem to have always felt like from a child, that I had some great purpose for being here, and I just didn't know what it was. And so I was always very spiritual. And as a young child, be, being bo raised born-again Christian, I was limited because I only had the Bible to look at. And so I read the Bible like, you know, I don't know, a thousand times. And we went to church three or four times a week. And so everything I knew was in that belief system. But I always thought I have this huge purpose. I'm here to save the world in some way. And at some point when that didn't work anymore, yeah. <laughs> I had to re-emerge re and re recreate myself yeah. as yeah. a different person. Right. That was the hardest thing because mm. the platform that I had within the church wasn't there anymore. And so then I thought, well, how can I, how can I fulfill my purpose in the world without this platform? And that was the hardest thing. And it took years. Oh. It took years because, you know, I was given messages within the church as in the gift of prophecy. And when I didn't have that anymore, I 
just turned it off. And I was like, well, I, I have nobody to give messages to. I have no purpose in life. I don't know who I am. That was the hardest thing. Wow. That was the hardest thing. But it was the best gift because it forced me to look elsewhere and it forced me to look at my soul and it forced me to look at my real place in the world and to experience things I'd never allowed myself to experience. And so sometimes the hardest lessons are the greatest gifts. In a way, they are a door to rebirth. It's being born again, isn't it? Yes. That idea. Yes. What is another word for healing? Self-realization. Because when we accept and realize who we are as a conscious point of awareness, when we realize that, I think we're 90% there. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the truth. I don't know anything for sure. <laughs> yeah, coming from that place, yeah, knowing for sure. <laughs> um, we don't know for sure anything, really. You know, my husband wrote a book a couple of years ago called All We Know Is What We Think We Know. <laughs> yeah. And we're always yeah. growing. We're always learning new things. And what I believe today, I don't know if I'll believe it tomorrow. I can't say that I will or not. Hmm. So I can't really say that I know anything for sure. Yeah, one of the things that I say, and I try to be very confident when I say that, it's unconditional mm-hmm. love. It might be a belief system of the ego, yeah, the false self, still trying to believe in something that's quite um, beautiful, but it's still grandiose mm-hmm. and beautiful. But life is everything, really. It, there's no exactly. separation. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much again, Joy, for your beautiful presence, uh, profound wisdom, the work that you do, the healing work you do, and everything else in between. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I loved our chat. You're a beautiful soul. And it was a pleasure being here. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes. So my website is whispersofjoy.net. And I have there links to my uh, newest book. But then on Amazon, I have two other books that I wrote before that one. And, um, but everything that I do, you can find on my website. I have a YouTube channel. I'm on all kinds of social media, but there's links to all of those on my website. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye for now, Joy. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Joy Andresen and her work, please visit whispersofjoy.net. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.